Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Fall Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's my joy to be with you on our Midweek Bible Study. This is Wednesday, November 16th. Today, we're continuing in our study of 2 Corinthians, and we're going to talk about the temple of the living God. The text for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through the end of the chapter, and then crossing over into chapter 7, verse 1. In our journey today, we're going to begin with Paul's command to the Corinthians to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers and exactly what that means. That can be a very confusing scripture, but we're going to unpack it for you and hopefully it will be clear as day when we're done. You see, light and darkness can't be in fellowship. Christ and Satan can't work together. And we'll also talk about how Christians are temples of the living God and exactly what that means. I'll tell you more in just a moment, but right now join me in an opening word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you for the privilege that you've given us to study your word. Thank you for your truths that are contained therein. Help us to learn today, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, open up those Bibles or Bible apps to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting with verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, Then I will welcome you, and I will be your father, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now over to chapter 7, verse 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. All right, let's unpack this passage, shall we? Let's look at verses 14 and 15. Once again, they read, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Here's the question. What does Paul mean that we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers? This verse is a fairly well-known verse. It's been frequently used to teach that a Christian cannot marry a non-Christian. Some translations, such as the ESV, the New King James, the New Revised Standard, and the Holman Christian Standard Bibles read, to not be unequally yoked or mismatched with unbelievers. Other translations, such as the NASB, CSB, NET, NIV, and NLT read, to not be bound at all to unbelievers. The Greek word here is pronounced heterozygoutis. It's very difficult to render. It literally means unequally yoked together. And this is the only place this word is used in the entire New Testament. The adverb form of this word is used in Leviticus 19.19, which prohibits the yoking of two different animals together. So that seems to be the picture that Paul is painting. You would never put two different kinds of animals together under the same yoke. Now, I think that the New Revised Standard Version and the Holman Christian Standard Bible express the idea very well when they say, do not be mismatched with unbelievers. 
But before we can ever make application of the scripture, we need to first examine what the text meant to the original audience. When you look at the context, it does not appear that Paul is referencing marriage here at all. Nowhere in this chapter, chapter 6, and nowhere in chapter 7, does he speak of marriage to cause us to think that God prohibits Christians from marrying non-Christians. The context is that in chapter 6, verses 11 to 13, that's what we studied last time, Paul says that his heart is wide open to these Corinthians, but the Corinthians are restricted in their affections towards Paul. Well, why are their hearts restricted? Why are their affections for Paul limited and withheld? Paul's answer is, it's not because they married unbelievers. The Corinthians' affections are limited because their affections are yoked to this world and in the relationships they have in this world. That's the point. They partnered with the worldly people, and that caused their affections for Paul to be restrained. Now, is it possible to be married to a person such that it would cause a Christian to have their affections for God restrained and limited? Absolutely. Paul is very broad in his approach to this and is speaking of any partnership that we might have with an unbeliever that would cause us to compromise our faith or limit our zeal or excitement and affection for God. But we shouldn't read this text to say that Paul taught marrying unbelievers is a sin. That's not what's taught here, and we can prove that by going to 1 Corinthians 7, verses 12 and 13, where Paul instructs Christians who were married to unbelievers to remain in that marriage. So is marrying an unbeliever a sin? I don't believe so at all. Can marrying an unbeliever become sinful? Yes, indeed, if it causes your affections for the Lord to lessen. But this is also true of family relationships, work relationships, friends, neighbors, and any other relationship that we may enter into. Paul is telling these Corinthian Christians and us to not bind themselves into a relationship that will cause this mismatch. Now back to our text. The point is that righteousness can't be in partnership with lawlessness. Light does not have fellowship with darkness. And there's no agreement between Christ and Belial. That's another name for Satan. So at the end of verse 15, Paul says, or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Paul's point is that a believer and unbeliever have nothing in common. We don't share the same values. We don't share the same commitments. We don't share the same worldview. We don't share the same way of thinking. And so we can't be bound to people in any kind of relationship where it would cause us to not think and act as followers of Jesus. I really hope that makes this clear for you. Next up, verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Here's the question. What does it mean that we are the temple of the living God? The Corinthians' hearts had pulled away from God and toward the world. They were in these relationships with people where they were accepting idolatry and maintaining idolatrous practices. Let's keep in mind that idolatry is not simply the worshiping of false gods, but also the immoral behavior that comes from idolatry. Idolatry is the context of Paul's argument because these Corinthian Christians were falling into sinful behaviors because of the relationships they had in the world, so their affections toward Paul and ultimately Christ had been restrained. Folks, again, we can't associate with people who pull us into behaving like the world. 
Now, every generation comes along and says, what's the big deal? What's the big deal if we have some immorality? What is the big deal if we're at bars and clubs and the like? We can't do that? Why can't we go there? Well, listen to how Paul expresses this in the rest of the paragraph. He says, for we are the temple of the living God. So again, what does that mean? Well, to help us understand, we need to look at the scriptures and ask, what did the temple represent? The big picture concerning the temple was that it represented having a relationship with God and being near to him. When the people were with God, then God was with his people and God's presence was in the temple. When the people left God, then God was not with them and he destroyed his temple to reflect that. You cannot be in fellowship with darkness and light at the same time. You can't be joined to God in righteousness and joined to the world in its wickedness. Notice this is the point that Paul makes at the end of verse 16, which says, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God is walking with you and living with you. You belong to him. He is your God and you are his people. The question really is, how can you possibly join yourself to people who would pull you away from God? Next up, let's look at verses 17 and 18. This will complete chapter 6. These verses read, Therefore go out from their midst and separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Here's the question. From these verses, there's a clear message, a very clear message, that God wanted the Corinthians and us to know. What is it? These verses say to leave the wickedness. God is holy. God is not in fellowship with wickedness. If we're going to be like those who are in the world, then God can't be in a relationship with us. We're supposed to leave the ways of the world. We're supposed to change our thoughts and behaviors so that they are no longer like the world. That's why it's a big deal to end immorality. That's why we don't act like the world and go to places that represent wickedness. That's why we should discontinue relationships with those who draw us into practicing the darkness rather than the light. God has called us to come out from the world and be distinct. So then what does God say will happen if we leave these relationships, if we come out from the world and be separate from it? Take a look at the rest of the verses. God says, starting in 17, then I will welcome you. Going into 18, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. God says he will welcome us, accept us, and receive us if we'll come out from the world and not behave like it. God welcomes people who separate themselves from the immoral practices of the world. Not only that, God welcomes you into a relationship with him. He says he will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters to him. In other words, we are adopted by God. Isn't that just incredible? Now, do you remember who God made this promise to when he said, I will be a father to him and he will be a son to me? God said that to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 to 14. Paul is quoting the Davidic covenant and telling us that this promise belongs to us, not just to David or Solomon. The promise is to you, beloved, to your children and to all who are far off. The promise is to all people who will separate themselves from the practices of the world. God will welcome you, will be your father, and you'll be his son or daughter. You are a child of royalty, a child of the Almighty God. Amen and amen.
And now the final verse for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It reads, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Here's the final question. In this verse, Paul says, We have these promises. What are they, and what are we to do with them? Well, just to recap, the promises we've been talking about are, go back to verse 16, chapter 6, verse 16. The first promise is God will live with his people. Then in verse 17, God will welcome the people as his own. And finally, in verse 18, God will act like a loving father to them. We are to cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, it says. In other words, we need to purify ourselves. We need to purify our lives. We need to cleanse ourselves on the inside, meaning the heart, and the outside, meaning our behaviors. That was the message to the Corinthians. They were to make a clean break with their past and give themselves to God alone. Then Paul says that as a result of cleansing ourselves, that will bring holiness to completion in the fear of God. Well, what does that mean? This ongoing process of cleansing our lives from things that are opposed to God is how a believer participates with God in bringing holiness to completion. God is the one who sets a believer aside as his, as holy, as set apart for his purposes. He does that for all who come to him through faith in Christ, and he begins the process of making that person new in the image of Christ. Paul wrote that God will also finish this work in every believer, 1 Corinthians 1.8. But Christians must participate by obeying God's commands to set aside all disobedience in the fear of God, as it said in the verse. That fear is about a great respect for God's power and righteousness. It's also about carrying an awareness that Christ will judge the works of every believer when he returns, not to decide that person's eternal destiny, but to give him or her what is due for how they've lived as believers. 2 Corinthians 5.10, we talked about that just a few weeks ago. Well, folks, this has been a short time today, but it's been powerful, and we've reached the end of the study. We've been talking about the temple of the living God. We discussed and discovered what it really means for believers to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We also found out that believers are temples of the living God, and we discussed how we should live accordingly. You know, I hope you've enjoyed this today. I know I have. I hope this has also been a challenge to you. What an incredible journey we've had today. Next time, we're going to come together and study the next part of chapter 7, 2 Corinthians 7, verses 2 to 16. And we're going to talk about the church's repentance. Definitely don't want to miss that. Well, thanks again for being with me. It's always a joy to share with you. Have an amazing rest of your day and week, and I'll see you right back here next time. Until then, God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.